Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the show. I'm very excited to welcome an amazing guest today, Lauren Chamenda. Lauren is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner specialized in gut health, inflammation, and autoimmune diseases. Her passion is to help people suffering from autoimmune diseases and chronic inflammation live pain-free and symptom-free so that they can finally enjoy a vibrant and joyful life, aka she helps them unlock their full vitality. We'll talk more about how she helps people do that and the journey to what brought her here. I'm sure you will love listening to her story. She's helped me along my gut health journey and has become a dear friend along the way. I feel very lucky to have you in my life, Lorraine, and this is why I wanted to share your wisdom with everybody here. So welcome to the show. Wow, thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, All right, so before we dive into all things gut health, I wanted to um, have you introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, tell us where you're from, who you are, where you grew up. Um, yeah, who's who's Lorraine? Sure. So I am born in Scotland, in the UK. So I am British originally by birth. Um, my family is French though, so um, I had French and English at home. Um, I have two little brothers that were the best brothers that are the best brothers in the world. <laughs> um, I, I moved back to France when I was 11 years old with my mom and um, I went to an interna- high, international high school there where I met my, would you say middle school sweetheart? Yeah, it's crazy. Is that, yeah, 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 middle school sweetheart. Yeah. So I met my today husband when I was 13, mm-hmm. a little, yeah, 13 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we've been in love ever since. Aww. Today we have a beautiful little girl. She's two and a half years old. And um, she's the sweetest. She's the sweetest. She's adorable. She's <laughs> quite a handful, but, <laughs> but she's super cute. Um, yeah, we moved to the US about seven years ago for my husband's job. At the time, I, and we're going to get deeper into that story, but I had just been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease at Mm -hmm. the time when we moved to New York, so it was really scary for me, but it was the best move of my life because it Mm -hmm. brought me to where I am today. And um, we stayed for three and a half years in New York, and then we moved to San Francisco, and we have been living in the Bay Area, first in San Francisco, now Sausalito, beautiful little... (laughs) <laughs> little city just outside of San Francisco. And, um, and we're very happy here. We really mm-hmm. call it home. Our mm-hmm. families are all in France and they're all kind of scattered. But here is, is definitely our home and we're very, very happy. Yeah. Awesome. So let's get into it then. Tell us more about your journey and yeah. how you became an NTP. Um, yeah. How did, how did we get here? Yeah. So like I said, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called uh, ankylosing spondylitis Mm -hmm. when I was 24 um, years old. So it manifested itself kind of what I felt back then out of the blue. Now that I know what I know, I realized that there were a lot of signs along the way. Um, I had a lot of digestive symptoms when I was a kid and a Mm. lot of things going on that we didn't really put two and two together at the time. But I basically woke up one morning and I was in intense pain around my SI joint, so your lower back. And um, as the day went on and the days went on and the weeks went on, it just got worse and worse until I just couldn't move. I, Mm. I literally just could not get out of bed. It was so painful. So I was in marketing at the time. I had to quit my job. Um, and I was in bed, I was bedridden. I mm-hmm. was taking a lot, a lot of different medications and I was on um, all types of anti-inflammatory drugs that all did not work, um, all types of painkillers, including Oxynorm and Oxycontin and 
opioids and really, really some, some wow, big things. Strong. Yeah, very strong, strong medications. Um, I had um, just a few different things. That, I mean, we, honestly, I tried everything um, until I felt that doctors were just not believing me anymore. And I was going to see my doctor like all the time, like several mm-hmm. times a week, just complaining and crying. And I, I literally just couldn't do anything until I got my diagnosis six months after. And that was such a relief for me. It, was, it wasn't a long journey within like the autoimmune spectrum. Like people who suffer from autoimmune diseases, they tend to have a much longer time between, I think the average is about four years, I think. Oh, wow. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not exactly right. Maybe it's three, three or four years, the average time. Between um, getting get, first symptoms and yeah. understanding that something's wrong to getting a diagnosis? Yes, to getting a diagnosis. So my journey was pretty rapid in a sense, but it felt like an, like it's just an eternity. Of course. Um, you know, when you're suffering and you, you're getting all these results that are cleared, like your doctor's like, no, your results are great. No inflammatory markers. Your MRIs mm. are fine. Like all is good. You should be happy. And I'm like, no, it's not. I am in pain. I was seeing a lot of different doctors. I finally found a doctor that was a really renowned doctor in Monaco, which was um, like a tiny, which is a little <laughs> tiny country within France. So it's like a country within a country and it was next to where I used to live. Um, so I found that rheumatologist and he had me do a specific test that other doctors didn't want to do. Um, and we were able to get a diagnosis thanks to that. Mm-hmm. I did have a genetic testing done, but it generally isn't enough just standing by itself, just the genetic testing, which is the HLA B27 for my disease, but there's a lot of different HLAs for a lot of different autoimmune diseases. And um, yeah, I got my diagnosis, and so that allowed me to start the treatment. And mm-hmm. the treatment is, um, it's called immunosuppressants. They're injections. I mean, I was having it in, the, in an injection form. So it's an injection that you do every month. And basically they're called TNF blockers. So they block your TNF alphas, which are a type of white blood cells that creates that inflammatory response, that, that chronic inflammation specifically for that disease or those, those types of autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kill essentially they're, they're killing a part of your immune system right which was for me at the time I had no idea that there was other ways mm-hmm. um, so for me I thought this was going to save me and it didn't really um, it, it takes like two to three months to settle in and I only got better by like maybe 15% by mm-hmm. month three and it just I stagnated at that and then we moved to New York and I still couldn't walk I mean I could walk five minutes and I remember precisely because that was the, I had like a four minute walk to get to the subway and then I could sit down oh my like gosh. I could not walk for more than like five minutes without sitting down otherwise I was in an extreme pain so, so it, it was solve. pain and you just couldn't like explain to us a little bit more was it also feeling exhausted how did it manifest Yes, um, you definitely feel very tired. I was sleeping like 10, 11 hours a night, sleeping also during the day. I, but I think it was mostly the pain for me that was really traumatic. Mm-hmm. Just this constant pain day and night that mm-hmm. never really goes away. It just drives you crazy. Yeah. And you're being told that you're never really going to get better. Or if you do, it's just like a phase so you have phases where you're high, you're going to have like an inflammatory like flare and then it's going to get better but then you're going to have another flare and then it's going to get better and then flare and better my flare was like three and a half four years oh, wow. so I and and you don't know how long it's going to last you don't know what's going to happen all you know is that it's going to evolve to be worse and worse and by the end of it depends how many flares you have but the specificity of that disease is that it it um, it gets your joints get calcified and so they get like stuck and joint together. Oh, wow. So basically, you have a risk of having your whole spine being calcified and all the joints being stuck together, and you don't have that mobility and flexibility anymore. The good news is you don't have pain once you're all calcified. You don't really have pain because you're not really moving as much, and there's not a, that inflammatory response. But for years and decades before that, you are in a lot of pain. So I was told that I was gonna 
by the end of my life, I was going to be in a wheelchair. And mm. that was just that. Um, wow. As long as I'm on my medication, I can't get pregnant. But if I get off of the medication, then I'm back to being fully bedridden instead of walking five minutes. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a nightmare, clearly. So at this time, you're in your early 20s, you're living in New York, and you're just seeing your life in front of you being a not very fulfilling, exciting life and dead completely dependent on these medications to be able to move forward yeah and thank god my husband was there too to support me Mm. um but i was definitely grieving i was grieving the life that i thought i would have i've always been a very outgoing and active person i would i loved to go out and discover and travel and meet new people and dance and (laughs) like that was just me i had fomo all the time because i wanted to do everything (laughs) And then you go from that to like where I was mm-hmm. in this dark place and I had support, but I've still felt very alone. Yeah, of course. Um, so that was really hard. So what was for you that, yeah. you know, wake up or that, how did things shift? How did you go from that, which I can only, yeah, imagine the amount of pain and fear that you were and suffering that you were in to, oh wait, there might be another solution. Right. Well, funnily enough, my husband's grandmother, she is still living in the U.S. and she was in the U.S. at the time. She sends me by email this documentary on autoimmune diseases mm. and it's called Autoimmune Secrets. Okay. And so it's this documentary with a lot of different functional doctors that are being interviewed and it's this whole different approach of a root cause kind of approach mm-hmm. that I was not familiar with at all. So I was watching this documentary and I'm like, what? <laughs> there is something I can do? I had been told for so many years that I could not wow. change anything. I had asked and I was so curious. I was like, if I got sick, if I if my body got sick, I should be able to reverse that right like by logic you should and I kept asking my doctors and they were like nope there's nothing you can do can you can I eat differently nope nothing you can do to eat differently the only thing that they told me is just be careful to not lose too much weight so be sure to eat enough calories and they were saying like go eat some pasta and Mm -hmm. go eat all the I mean they gave me a list of foods it was French food so I, I don't even have the translation for it um, like a gratin dauphinois and these mm-hmm. kind of things that they would potatoes and... yeah potatoes with cream and, and cheese and pasta and like the opposite of what I'm eating today <laughs> um, and so finally I had hope and mm-hmm. I was like I can change something I can I me can do something to help myself mm-hmm. and not just be dependent on this injection that I was taking um And so it started from there. I contacted one of the doctors that was interviewed. He's called Dr. Peter Osborne. He's based in Texas, but he sees people all over the world. And so I contacted him, started seeing him. You have to put down a $5,000 kind of deposit to work with him. It goes towards testing mostly and like his work, of course, but he does not work with you if you do not want to do functional testing. Okay. So he has like a minimum of tests that he has you do, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time I was like 25, something like that. I didn't have a lot of money. So it was literally my whole life savings mm-hmm. that I put into that. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision mm-hmm. that I ever made. So from there, we started a protocol that he developed really individualized protocol that he developed just for me and uh, he said give me 18 months he explained the whole process why it's 18 months your immune system has a cycle of six months and you need three cycles to really settle in and it literally took 18 months oh wow from start to finish so what are some of the things that you were doing during those 18 months yeah so he had me on a lot of different supplements Mm -hmm. that were geared really specifically towards my bio-individual needs then um, I decided he had me on a specific diet, but I decided to take it a little further and I started doing the autoimmune protocol, which is a diet developed specifically for autoimmune diseases. Um, it eliminates inflammatory foods that contribute to leaky gut. It all stems from the gut and it really all stems from your gut health and if you have leaky gut or not. 
keeping in mind that if you have an active autoimmune disease, you have leaky gut. There's a direct correlation mm-hmm. and direct link. Mm-hmm. So understanding that for me was just like, it yeah. opened up mind a whole new world. Yes, mind-blowing. Um, and I think where I found the limit of working with him was the whole mindfulness aspect. He was very much into nutrition and very much into functional medicine, which was amazing. And it got me to maybe 75% of my like mobility or my health. But the next step was looking into taking care of my soul and myself and um, starting mindfulness practices. I st- when we moved to San Francisco, I discovered Qigong. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that several times a week and I was doing meditation. Um, I was doing EFT, which is commonly tapping. called tapping. Mm-hmm. That was such an amazing tool for me. Um, I, I tried a lot of different things. I tried Reiki. <laughs> I tried, um, I was doing breathing exercises. I went to this Buddhist temple in Valencia. They had somebody that was teaching us how to breathe properly and we were doing a full hour of breathing exercises and you leave there like feeling like you're flying on a little cloud like it was really (laughs) amazing so that's pretty much what I did yeah I love that and I mean there's so much there in your story I love this angle of you know it got you to 75% and then it opened up this whole other part of healing I feel like sometimes you might come at healing through the mindfulness lens I think I did that more like it was more towards the yoga and meditation and then it made me aware of physical symptoms that I wasn't aware of so I love this idea of holistic medicine and that it is for some people it's they're going to access it at different angles right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's amazing um you also talked about some of the symptoms that you had as a kid in terms of digestion things and and then linking back to now understanding that it's all linked to gut health. Mm -hmm. Do you have examples of what some of those uh, symptoms were as a kid that maybe some of us can be like, oh yeah, I totally felt that as a kid too. Yes. So I was what I thought was just a sensitive kid. When I had any sort of stress, I remember my parents once a year, they would leave on... Uh, a weekend just the two of them and that was so scary for me like it was so stressful Mm. and every time they would leave I would be sick in terms of I would have like really bad diarrhea I would Mm -hmm. be vomiting like Mm -hmm. my guts would just be like twisting and turning like I can't handle this yeah um and anytime I would get a little cold like I remember we were at um like a water park with my mom I mean every time I would go to a water park we would have to rush to the restaurants because I would have diarrhea. Mm. Like that was the kind of childhood that I had. Mm-hmm. And of course nobody knew. Yeah. But it was very, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't fear around food, but it was just that I had a consciousness of, oh, I'm going to, you know, if I, if I eat, I'm going to have a sore stomach. I did have some heartburn too. It wasn't very often, but it would happen like in the middle of the night that I would just have a really, really bad like stomach cramps and heartburn. Mm. And my mom would have to either take me to the hospital because she was like super scared um, or have like somebody come in the middle of the night. And um, I think those were just the first kind of clues. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if you have that, you're going to develop an autoimmune (laughs) disease. But knowing what we know from my mom that she, well, she wasn't diagnosed of ankylosing spondylitis yet, but she had all the symptoms. Mm. She had the back pain and she had the more typical symptoms. Also, when you wake up in the morning, you're all stiff and like your hands are stiff and all of your like joints are like very stiff and you need 30 minutes to an hour to like be able to, yes, flow it out. My mom has that. Mm. I didn't have that. And that was a reason why they had a hard time Okay. Diagnosing me because I didn't have the typical typical symptoms. symptoms. I had just had the SI joint symptoms. Okay. Um, so yeah, and looking back, I was playing a lot of squash at the mm-hmm. time. I was doing like league. I was in like league championships, and I was really I loved it. But after every game, I was limping. Oh wow! And yeah. it was always my right SI joint. And I thought that it was because I was lunging too much. You tend to lunge a lot when you play yeah. squash to try and like catch the ball. 
And um, so I thought I was just like pulling a muscle or something, but every single time I was limping until like when I was 15, 16, like it was really bad. I would have to lay on the ground and like hug, like put myself in a ball and like hug my, my legs to try and like loosen it up. Oh, wow. And it would take me an hour to, to get, to get yeah. better. It's so interesting. I love this about the healing journey that when you look back, you can just kind of put all the dots together and mm-hmm. it just makes sense. And I think in a way, what's beautiful about your story is that you've turned into, you've turned what happened to you into now your passion and your day-to-day job. Right. So how did you get there? Because from my understanding in terms of like your studies and stuff, you weren't at all in the nutrition space until you got your diagnosis and then started understanding that there was other options. Exactly. Yes. Um, I was in marketing. So mm-hmm. I had a master's <laughs> degree in marketing <laughs> and business development. So very, very different. Um, I think it started from our move from New York to San Francisco, where I had been able to, to go back to work because I had been doing better. I was within that one like first year of my healing protocol. So I was working, I was doing better, but I was miserable at my job. And when we decided to move to San Francisco, I told my husband, well, if we're you know, moving and we're changing our lives, like, why don't I just completely change my life too? I spend all of my free time on PubMed, reading every <laughs> single study that is coming out and I'm devouring every nutrition book and I'm listening to all these functional doctors podcasts and <clears throat> I'm doing this like on a daily basis why not do this as a job? Why, why can't I do this as a living? And I was ready, I was well enough that I felt ready to help other people too. Mm. Like before I wasn't in that space, I was fully focused on myself and I was doing a lot of different things for myself. Like my morning routine was crazy and my nighttime routine was even more crazy. I would have like a, a one and a half hour to two hour morning and nighttime routines to help myself. But when I was getting better, I needed less time for myself and I was ready to open myself to, to give him back, Yeah, basically. So it was, it was just such a passion. I, I looked into a lot of different nutritional courses and I found the NTA, which is the Nutritional Therapy Association. Um, and so I, I dove into that. I also wanted to do a French course at the same time because we weren't sure how long we were staying in the US. So I did start a French course to become a naturopathic practitioner. So I do have the two kind of hats, but the nutrition part just took me away. And that's mm-hmm. where I really found my passion and really digging deep into the, the micronutrition and, um, and the balances and the body and the deficiencies and all of that is just really my true passion. Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's so much in here that I think people can relate to from one, just like what you do outside of work, the podcast you listen to, the things that you're interested in, and that being a sign of like, also your intuition being like, hey, we really, really like this. And then now, I mean, I met you after all of this Mm -hmm. while you were already established and worked with you. And it's clear that this is something you're so passionate about and that you're also so good at because you are... One, I think you've lived an experience that is, mm. I think there's just this thing about uh, having healed and being able to help other people do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like authenticity there that is so important. And then, yeah, that you've also now helped so many people that you see that this is something that really works. Yes. <laughs> At first, I was mind blown. Mm. I was starting to see clients. And I was like, well, you know, I learned a lot. And then I I did continue education after the NTA. So I have a lot more certifications um, that that are more like deep diving into gut health, into hormonal health um, and autoimmune diseases. But there's a difference from what you learn and then what you're actually seeing in your Mm -hmm. practice. And the first few clients, I was like, whoa, this stuff works. (laughs) (laughs) Like we would, because I see them every two weeks. And even like within the first two weeks, Mm. we would circle back and I would be just so impressed. And of course, it depends on what that person is doing and are they implementing all the changes that I recommend. And you you, you can only get better if you do the changes and you do the work. But I was always just so impressed. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. 
Um, okay, so let's get into it. Why should people really look at gut health to get to the root cause of them being unwell? So if you think about it, your body runs on nutrients, minerals and fatty acids and, and all of that. If you don't have the right balance, the, the right amount of nutrients, then you're not going to be properly functioning and everything functions within a system. So you have cofactors for everything and nutrients work together and work against each other sometimes for good reasons. So you want to make sure that you have all the nutrients that you need. And by getting all the nutrients that you need, it's not just ingesting them and getting the right types of food. It's how you're digesting your food. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the first step is I like to say there's this common quote that says you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. But I believe you are what you digest, what you eat. Mm. So if you're not digesting things, then you're not going to be getting all the right nutrients. Right. That makes so much sense. That's that's one side of things. The second part is you always want to start looking at the gut because that is where inflammation kind of stems from. When you have inflammation going on anywhere in your body, if it's like tendonitis or an autoimmune disease and um, any, any kind of inflammation, brain inflammation, there always is a link with the gut. The reason is that most of us walk around with dysbiosis, which is just an imbalance of good and bad, bad, bad bacteria. We all have a million and a gazillion of bacterias in our guts, on our skin. Um, we're 10 times more bacteria than we are cells. So that just mm. kind of tells you how wow. important they are. Yeah. They help you digest, they help They help with your mood, they create serotonin, um, they help with a lot of different things, and even just keeping balance and keeping homeostasis in your body. Um, so if you don't have the right balance of bacteria, then you're going to have different imbalances that are going to start showing. Mm. The first is you're also prone to parasites, to pathogens, protozoa, all these things that you don't want to have hanging around in your gut that create inflammation. If you don't have the right amount of good bacteria that are there to fight things off, and if you don't have the right amount of hydrochloric acid in your stomach, then things are going to go bad. (laughs) So that's why you always start checking, is everything right in the gut? You always want to make sure that you have a clean slate starting from the gut, and then you can work on the rest. And for autoimmune diseases, you work on the immune system and, and depending on your symptoms, you can work, you can work more around skin and certain organs, but you always start with the gut. Yeah. I love that. I mean, one of the things that, um, I've shared on previous episodes and that I've really learned through you is how so many of my overgrowths, um, are probably, and parasites are due to low stomach acid Mm -hmm. and that the root cause of having low stomach acid is probably the years of chronic stress that I was under. And so understanding that, again, that like whole picture, as you were saying, right, it's yes, there's all these symptoms and there is the root cause. And then I feel like there's like the root cause of the root cause sometimes (laughs) that's like hidden behind. Um, So yeah, that makes so much sense. Okay. So how, how does it work? Um, you know, what, what are the kinds of like testing that you do? How do you go about uh, understanding and getting, I guess, a picture of what's going on in somebody's gut? Right. So I guess I always start with a health assessment just by asking questions. Um, I use a very, very, very long questionnaire with <laughs> 320 questions um, that are all linked to the signs and symptoms that your body shows. And that can help guide us to understand where the imbalances can be. There's this whole section. I mean, there's sections about everything. There's this whole section around gut health, around digestion, and around upper GI. Um, And so it kind of helps us understand if you are low on stomach acid. Most of us are. We live in a society where we're scared of stomach acid and everybody's taking acid blockers um, because of heartburn. But heartburn... 90% of the time is actually caused by low stomach acid and not too much stomach acid. Mm. And the reason is that when you don't have enough stomach acid, you're not going to be digesting your food properly. So it's going to be fermenting and putrefying and it's going to be creating more gas. It's going to be taking more space in your stomach, which ends up opening the little sphincter that you have at the bottom of your esophagus between your esophagus and your stomach. 
it's going to have it open a little bit, which will release some of the acid from the stomach to the, the esophagus, which isn't supposed to be there. So Okay, so it's not that you have too much of it, it's that it's, being, it's going up somewhere it shouldn't be going up, basically. Yeah, for 90% of cases, right. that's yeah, yeah. the case. There, there are some people out there who mm-hmm. have too much of it, and so it is a real issue. But no, it's, yeah, you don't have enough, so you're not digesting well, and then it's kind of overlapping into the esophagus, and it's burning the mucosa lining. It's burning the, right. the cells in yeah. your esophagus. If you do it once, it shouldn't be an issue, but when it happens, you, you're eating, what, three times a day? When it happens three times a day, and daily for weeks and months, then you're really hurting your mucosal lining. And that's where you're feeling the symptoms of heartburn. You're feeling that pain, the burning sensation, the acid reflux. Um, It's because it's been like this over time. I love that. And so if, because I feel like heartburn is something that all of us have experienced at one time in our life. And again, totally understanding that for some people it really is because they have too much stomach acid. Um, But what is actually taking then, you know, I don't even know what those are called. Like I've definitely taken those syrup looking things that are like, Oh, you know, remove heartburn. Yeah. What does that do in terms of, as you're saying for the long term? basically it puts a bandaid on something that is actually, again, that root cause. Yeah. Well, it's a quick relief and it does coat your stomach lining and your esophagus lining. So it does like help with the pain for a quick relief, but long term, you don't want to be lowering your stomach acid. The thing is, it's really complicated once you have your um, esophagus that is raw and that is yeah. damaged, you can't add in more acid, right? So you first need to heal the upper GI. And I use um, specific supplements. I use plants like aloe vera, slippery elm, licorice. These things can be really helpful to help heal the mucosal lining. And then you add in the supplementation for um, the stomach acid. Mm, got it. That makes a lot of sense. So obviously we've understood that every person is different, right? How does, or what role does bioindividuality play in the way that you look at people and how you help um, depending on what they're coming to you with? Yeah. So when we talk about bioindividuality, it just is a fancy word to say that we are taking that person as an individual and we're looking at that person in a holistic way. So we're, t- we're keeping track of everything in their body, every symptom, every um, imbalance and everything. And we are approaching it for it to be individualized for that person. And right. so it can be very simple as an example. I'm not going to be having a same approach if I have a pregnant woman coming to me with heartburn, for example, um, than if I have an athlete coming to me with some gut disturbances. Like it's, it's very different according to their needs. And I think that is the number one thing that we're missing in traditional medicine is to really understand where this person is in their life right now, hmm. but who this person is also just from a health standpoint and what kind of genetics does that person have and um, what kind of needs it, it needs, what kind of support that person needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could have somebody, I mean, two different people, one eating a super healthy diet, one eating a lot of fast food and them not having at all, you know, the same kind of symptoms and maybe each of them have their own issues, but they're not manifesting in the same way or two people eating the exact same thing and then having completely different symptoms because one is super stressed or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And even just for, for her heartburn, for example, or for low stomach acid, that a person, two people could have low stomach acid, the same exact symptoms, be the same age, 25 year old woman. Um, but you're seeing clear signs of zinc deficiency in one person Mm -hmm. and the other you're not. And the other you're seeing clear signs of chronic stress. And so it helps you understand like where this could be coming from. It's the exact same person, exact same, you know, symptoms. Um, but you're really looking deep into where the root cause can be for that person. Yeah. And I guess you find out all these things through testing and you talked about, um, 
you know, the questionnaire that you have, you talked about also in your personal journey that you were going to regular or Western doctors and there was, you know, you were coming back with everything being very clear Mm -hmm. again, because it's under a certain standards, right. Of like, Oh, if you're in between this number and this number, and also because they weren't testing you for what that functional medicine doctor tested you. Yes. So how do you, yeah. What, what kind of approach do you have with testing? And Mm -hmm. also how crazy is it? that these, how many years of med school do you go through and the intensity? And again, we love science. There's so many things and you benefited, right? Mm -hmm. From those injections you were talking about at Mm -hmm. the beginning and they helped you. And there are so many simple tests that, I mean, I experienced it myself. I went here, uh, it was in 2020 before, during the pandemic when everything was going on and I was starting to realize all the symptoms and yeah, I think I got tested for like cholesterol levels and like very basic things. And they were like, nope, you're perfect. Everything's good. And I was like, look at my belly. <laughs> like, I'm not pregnant. Why is it like this? And like, oh, do you work out? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. They have, they have a disease first approach. Right. And they, I mean, they're extremely, extremely knowledgeable people. And they understand everything around disease, which is a bucket load of information that you need to know. Like, to be able to diagnose somebody with a disease, you need to understand so much around every single symptom and every single disease that exists. Sure, there's different specialities in medicine, but still, like, it it requires a lot of knowledge. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not against at all the traditional medicine, the Western medicine, like they save lives and they helped me through my journey. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about health and having a health first approach, you need to turn to functional medicine and Western medicine just doesn't, doesn't cut it. Mm -hmm. Um, And functional medicine doesn't always mean you have to go see a functional doctor. That is the best option for sure, but it is also extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. You can go see people who are just like me, nutritional practitioners and functional nutritional practitioners or holistic health coaches. Like there's a lot of people that can help you and you can find the person who is in the niche that you, where you need help. If you have fertility issues, you can find somebody that is specialized in that, right? If you have gut issues or autoimmune issues, like there's so many different people. Um, So where was I going with this? Testing. Testing. So I think... um, where the functional medicine has a better approach is that they test, well, things that regular doctors wouldn't be testing and they're just not trained in that. They just don't have that approach. And so that's why we always want to use both approaches, right? It's never just one or the other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a really like a holistic way to work. And, um, and they have different functional ranges. Like the ranges from like a typical lab will be very different from the functional ranges that functional doctors learn and so where i come into play there's a lot of different tests that you can do and i'm trained in gut testing so i do stool analysis i use the gi map which is one of the best stool analysis out there Um, and in parallel with that i use food sensitivity testing so i use the mrt Um, again it's one of the best out there i would not recommend that you do the at home prick your finger food sensitivity tests that only test for IgG. Um, it really is, is not reflective and it just not doesn't cover the whole, the bigger picture. Um, so those are the two tests for gut healing that I use. I'm not trained in um, blood markers. I do plan on adding that to, Ooh, to my toolkit. That's exciting. Um, but yes, that's also a really important part of, of our practice is learning how to do the, the blood markers too. But focusing on gut health, where you have an understanding of this is where you want to start, then this is where you want to start is the testing too. So you can do a lot through asking questions, through reading symptoms and reading the body. That's great, but you can only go so far. And there's no real way to understand what types of bad bacteria you have in your gut or what types of parasites or is it candida, is it H. pylori, um, you know, you, you, there's really no way to, to know yeah. if you're not testing. Yeah. And the, the GI map is just such a complete test. It really, you see everything from 
the functional markers, understanding how you're digesting. Do you have enough hydrochloric acid? Do you have, are you secreting enough um, pancreatic enzymes and bile to help um, digest fatty acids? And um, they're looking at their whole profile, well, whole, it's impossible to look at all the bacteria, but they have a very large profile of bacteria that they're looking at. We're checking for viruses, for pathogens, um, protozoa, and it's, it's very, very complete. They also have a great inflammatory marker panel too, which is really, really great to understand what kind of inflammation is going on in the gut. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I've told you this before and that doing them myself with you and seeing the different, uh, also the progress, but then also mm-hmm. seeing the things that used to be there and then the new things that's showing up is just a, I mean, I've never gone to a doctor and gotten a test and been like, oh, cool, I understand how I'm doing. Right. <laughs> um, whereas this just paints such a better picture of also the symptoms that I'm having. So I love that. Yeah. Um, you talked a lot, we've, we've said the word inflammation a lot. Um, what are some of the most common sources of inflammation um, that you see in your practice today? So where I see inflammation stemming from the most is from the gut. So usually when I have somebody come see me with like any sort of inflammatory pain, like let's say joint pain um, or any sort of autoimmune disease that can be skin related or thyroid related, whatever type of autoimmune disease, I'll always see inflammation in the gut first. So maybe actually just taking a step back for a second, um, what is inflammation for, cause you mentioned a lot of different things that, you know, before knowing any of this, I wouldn't necessarily think that those things are inflammation. Mm-hmm. So inflammation is when your body has an immune reaction to something. Okay. Healthy inflammation is when you have um, your immune system is presented with a pathogen. Um, let's just say like a, a bacteria, like the common cold or, or a common virus. Your immune system kind of acts up and riles up, will start sending signals to assemble an army, to start trying to combat and kill off this pathogen that isn't supposed to be here. That's like healthy inflammation. And this happens on a daily basis a a lot of times during the day. Mm -hmm. It can be a reaction to food. Everybody has some sort of immune reaction to some foods too. If you're healthy, you're able to, you know, move past that inflammation and you're, you're good and you can start over. Um, so that's kind of what happens. It's just an immune response to any sort of pathogen that is Got presented it. to you. Okay. And so that's where you see that these things start, this inflammation, this, this response starts in the gut. Yeah. And so <clears throat> this is healthy inflammation. When we see chronic symptoms with chronic pain, this is chronic inflammation where the body just does not know how to stop and it just keeps riling up, riling up. Um, and so it's just like this huge battlefield that never ends. Mm. That's where we see chronic inflammation. When there's an autoimmune component that is added to that, this is where the inflammation kind of goes haywire and your body starts attacking itself. So instead of producing antibodies, it produces auto antibodies. That's why we call it autoimmune oh. disease. So it produces auto antibodies against itself and it starts attacking its own self. Depending on your genetic profile, you will be attacking different organs. It could be your skin. It could be your gut with ulcerative colitis. It can be your um, immune system with lupus. It can be your nervous system with NMO. Like it really, there's 150 different autoimmune diseases. Um, So that's where I come into play and I start trying to understand where is this chronic inflammation coming from? Why is the body not able to stop naturally this inflammation and just calm things down like it's supposed to? It means that it is constantly triggered by something. Hmm. This something starts in the gut. Usually you'll see, um, it can be a very classic form of dysbiosis. Like the most like classic dysbiosis can create inflammation. Um, but it'll also a lot of times stem from parasites and and from all these different pathogens that you don't want in your gut. 
Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back for an autoimmune uh, (laughs) episode. I feel like there are so many things that we could go into there. Um, But really, so going back or focusing, continuing to focus on on gut health, Mm -hmm. um, what are, you know, for some people that are listening to this and they're like, okay, I kind of want to improve my gut health. I don't know if I'm ready to like do the GI map and all the testing and everything, but Mm -hmm. what are a few things that they can start doing day to day? I love little small habits Mm -hmm. um, to help improve their gut health. Sure. Um, so when we talk gut health, we start and we the first thing we think about when approaching gut health is hydrochloric acid, is your stomach acid. We want to make sure that you're digesting well your foods in your stomach. It's always, we talk about a north to south process with gut health. Mm-hmm. So if something isn't going well, isn't if you're not digesting your food properly at the very first checkpoint in your stomach, then you're going to have issues later down the line. So that's why most of my advice will be revolved around digesting your food properly in your stomach first, because that will help not have any additional things in your small intestine like SIBO or in your large intestine and and that sort of things. So I would say chewing your food is so underestimated. And you really (laughs) want to be chewing your food a lot and a lot more than you think. So an ideal... I, an ideal, I always say, is 30 to 40 times you want to chew your food, especially if it's meat. It should be closer to the 40 mark. That's per bite. Per bite. Wow. Which sounds crazy. But if you do it, just, just try to do it once and count every time. You'll see that it actually goes by pretty quickly. And it will become a habit. Hmm. The more you do it, you're going to have to count it first, right? You're going to count every time. And if it's 25, that's fine. Like, it's probably... 10 times better than what you, how you were chewing before. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> but you start counting and maybe five or six meals later, you're already going to get the, the hang of it and you're going to be chewing your foods well. You always want to chew your foods until they are liquid in your mouth and chew your liquids just as if they were solids. Mm. Because even a smoothie, you need to chew. If you're not chewing, you're not going to be secreting this, the hydrochloric acid in your stomach. That's the first kind of like pointer for your body to know, oh, we're chewing. We need to get this acid going. Right. So chewing is the first thing. Something that really helps too, and that's something that I know you do, is drinking apple cider vinegar before Mm -hmm. meals. If you don't want to supplement, this is a great way to help with stomach acid without supplementation with HCL. Um, And so you you can mix one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, some people do two, in a little bit of water and sip that before your meal or at the beginning of a meal. And that really helps. It also helps with with blood sugar regulation too, which is a perk. So that's also great. Those are the two main things for stomach acid. To help heal and soothe the gut, Bone broth is your best friend. <laughs> and that's also something that you do, yes. that you love. I love bone broth. It's filled with a ton of different amino acids, especially L-glutamine. Um, that is extremely helpful to help heal the gut lining. It's one of the building blocks for the gut lining. So to make sure that everything is nice and soothed and healed, bone broth is the way to go. Yeah, I love it. And you've given me some great tips on some when when you don't have time to make it. There's some amazing brands that you can just go and buy, right? Whether yes. it's frozen or in the fridge section. Yeah. So you always want to buy your bone broth in the frozen section or the fridge section. If you're buying bone broth from like a packet or from a box, can or a brick, a yeah. can or a brick, it will not have the same properties as mm. real traditionally made bone broth. Bone broth is cooked for like. 18 to 24 hours right that's the way that you make bone broth um and that's the only way that you can get all the amino acids out of the bones and the cartilage um and the way to preserve it is either frozen or fresh yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah (laughs) i love it oh my gosh so many amazing tips um I want to also touch on the fact that maybe there's somebody listening who has tried a lot of things, who still isn't able to, whether it's get to the root cause or who hasn't healed their symptoms. Um, What's one piece of advice you have for that person? First of all, you're not alone. 
because there are so many people out there just like you and that are looking for answers. But I would say get some help. Don't try to do this all by yourself because it can be extremely overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's just so much information out there. And people are trained for a reason. If, if, you're, if you Google everything and you go on the internet, like you'll, you'll be seeing all these different diets that you should be on and you have no idea like what makes sense and all these different supplements and everything and everybody's recommending everything at once. If you work with somebody who is specialized in your issue, find somebody that is in your niche, that, ha- that is specialized in what you have as a problem and have that person be your support system. Yeah. I love that. I love the words you're using support system because it's such a different way to, that we were brought up to look at going to a doctor, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's so different. So I love that. Thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I could have been here for another two hours. (laughs) I could have talked for hours and hours more. Yes. (laughs) Um, We'll have to do part two, three, four, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But for anybody who's curious about just following you, learning from you, how can they uh, get a little bit more info about who you are and where to find you? Sure. They can find me on Instagram, loran.nutrition. I try to share as much knowledge as I can on there. Um, but if not, they can reach out through my website. It's www.lorannutrition.com. Um, and I have a free guide that I give on there about inflammation. It's called the Complete Guide to Inflammation. And I give some pointers around what sort of alternative foods they can use. Um, so yeah, they can go check that out. Awesome. And we'll add those in the show notes too, to make it easier for people. Well, thank you so much again for this amazing, uh, powerful story of yours and also just super helpful advice and tips. And yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. See you next week. All right, guys, for this week's well-being tip, Lohan already gave you three. So I hope that you are going to chew your food, use apple cider vinegar, and maybe even start making some bone broth. In the meantime, though, I wanted to let you know that there is an amazing opportunity if you're in the Bay Area and you like these healing conversations to join me and Lohan on March 4th at the Cloud Break Yoga Studio in Sausalito for a beautiful afternoon of healing we're going to do some yoga some journaling some conversations and ceremony and yeah just a time to come home to ourselves take care of ourselves and each other and by joining you have a potential to win a 45 minute nutritional assessment with Lorraine. so don't miss out on that opportunity there's another couple amazing giveaways i'll add the link in the show notes and hope to see you there bye